What's up, guys? Got Randy Lambert. Really fun conversation. I think he was number seven customer of Spectora all time. So he's seen the good, bad, the ugly. Um, he's a stoic guy, but he is a blast behind the scenes. Um, he's been in IEB for a bit, so we've hung out with him a ton at conferences over the years. So you can probably tell the rapport we have. Um, but his wife, who we actually have on the pod a few episodes in the future that we're going to release, um, he works with a spouse. And so we talk a little bit about those dynamics. We talk about growth management. Um, we talk about some fun times we've had together. We also talk about the NAR suit and his response to that and how he thinks the industry needs to shift and adapt. And then at the end, we have a great talk track for price shoppers. So when you guys get those phone calls of people just kicking the tires, price shopping, um, he's got an amazing line for that. So stick in there till the end. I think it's really helpful, something that you'll enjoy. So enjoy the conversation with Randy Lambert. Randy, it's taken me seven years to get you on the podcast. I appreciate you being here, brother. Good to see you. Yes, sir. It's been a while. <laughs> for everyone listening, he, he promised you promised me you're going to be episode 100. We couldn't work it out, but we got close. So this is probably gonna be episode like 120 ish or so. So um, I appreciate it, brother. You were like Spectorian number seven. So we go way back. So if anyone notices a, a pretty chill vibe, there's a reason for that. So I just want to start off going all the way back to that Nachi class. The first that inner Nachi class that you were at. And I want to see what you remember uh going all the way back to boulder what do you remember from that first internachi course when you were just getting in the industry right yeah so um showed up in boulder didn't know exactly what to expect uh, um you know I, I didn't know anybody there I, I i showed up there by myself um and started taking these courses and one of my biggest things on my list was hey what what software am i going to use uh, you know, while I was there, I started asking uh, guys sitting beside me and they were already in the business. And so they're showing me what they're using. Um, I had no clue what direction I wanted to go in. Um, and so, you know, not digging into the class itself, but uh, next thing you know, they said, we have, uh, you know, some guests here that are going to talk about uh, a software that they have. And that's when Mike and you showed up and, and, Put on, you know, I wouldn't have never guessed it was actually your guys' first presentation ever uh, <laughs> there because you guys had it put together like no other, man. Um, Y'all killed it. Uh, so I said, what, when I had seen, you know, probably the day uh, before you guys showed up, what these other uh, guys were already inspecting with and showing me, and then I was able to compare it to what you guys had. I was like night and day difference. That's it. I, I pulled you guys after you guys did your presentation. I went over there to you. I think it was me and Kurt uh, at the time. And we came over to you and was like, we're pulling the trigger. Let's do it. Shout out to Kurt Hose, by the way. Um, yeah. yeah. Can't find him anymore. He's hard to track down too. Uh, it's funny you say that though, because you struck me as someone, and I want you to dig into your mentality at the time, because obviously we were nervous speaking because we were new at talking about Spectora, but like you seemed like you had your shit together because you just came up and you were like, I need this, this, and this home gauge is offering this. Can you guys do this? And I needed at this price. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I was like, this dude, this dude's focused. And, uh, you know, and on top of that, you're jacked, you know, your stuff confident. And so you, you had a confidence, even if you didn't feel it, but I want, I want to hear from you, like where you were at in terms of setting up the business, how much thinking you had done about like where you were going to go, because we'll get into how successful you've been over the years. But like, 
you're in it like an internachi class you presented as if you knew you were gonna succeed already that that was what jumped out to me about you and i'm not just buttering you up but i want i want you to talk about that a little bit for anyone that's new yeah i mean you know coming into the internachi class um i wasn't coming into the industry completely green um I was a building engineer for 13 years mm. and I went through a four year program where I took low pressure, high pressure boilers, um, HVAC one, HVAC two, electrical one and two, indoor air quality, digital controls, pneumatic controls. So I went through all of that in four years and then I worked my way from an apprentice up to a chief engineer. So going through all of that and being in construction meetings left and right and running six office buildings and all that kind of, I think, ended up building that confidence to where I came into the class and it wasn't like I'm completely green and my, like, you know, my head's spinning. So when we got to a lot of that stuff, it was a breeze for me to get through. It's just like, okay, what are the things that I don't know from commercial that are not the same in residential? So I was able to kind of fill in the gaps. So my head wasn't probably spinning as much as like somebody coming in completely green, somebody completely starting a new a new business. Um, so I came in there with more of a focus on what are the tools that I need in order to get the job done? And obviously one of those was software. And then what route was I going to go? And then what was all these things going to cost me? So that was my... You know, I was coming in there for additional schooling, but I also wanted to get a lot more than that out of it. So when I left there, um, I could hit the ground running. Yeah, your confidence was was definitely apparent. So like, I, I don't know if you know this, I think I've told you this, but I reference you and Kurt almost every class we teach up at InterNACHI still because they're all sitting in those seats. They're, they're bright eyed, excited, asking all these questions. They don't know what they don't know yet, right? They're worried about things. They probably, they probably don't even matter. And I always tell them like, hey, you can become a multi-inspector company probably quicker than you think, because there's people that were in your seat, you know, one, three, five years ago, who a year later were off to the races, crushing it, looking for, looking to hire someone else. So I just want to let you know that I reference you guys all the time, because I think when they're in those seats, they're scared. A lot of times they don't know what they don't know. Sometimes they're overconfident. Sometimes they think they're going to have 20 inspectors in a year or two, but what, what do you wish you knew then that, you know, now (laughs) If you can think back. <laughs> um, well, back then I was thinking, okay, um, I'm going to run my own business. I'll be my own boss. I'm going to be one guy in a truck. And my thought process at the time wasn't much further than that. I never mm-hmm. had thought about, um, because I went from the corporate side of things and, you know, I was just a number and they can drop you like they did. Um, and so at that point in time, it was just like, you know what, I want to, I want to be my own boss and not have to listen to anybody. I want no way that somebody can ruin something for me um, and I can keep this going. So, um, you know, at that time, I didn't have a thought process of where I was actually going to take this business until I got to the point where I was like, I hate money going out the door and I got too busy for it to do, for that to happen. So looking back, like if I could tell myself to do anything differently, I don't know that there's a lot of lot there, but I would say like, if there was something I could do uh, to uh, grow faster, it would have been not, you know, to be more purposeful of of my thinking on what I wanted, what where I wanted to go with the business, mm-hmm. plus um, 
how I was going to get that business. Because at the time of being a new business owner, it was like I was throwing money at everything left and right. Oh, you need a sponsorship just to get my name there. <laughs> right. Any realtor came to me, oh, sponsor this, sponsor yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm throwing money towards Angie's List, Home Advisors, Thumbtack, you name it. Money was going out the door quicker than it could come in. Um, so that would be like the only thing at the beginning of my business that I would that I would truly change. Yeah. No, that's good. A lot of them aren't thinking of how to efficiently meet agents, how to get that repeat kind of referral. Um, they're just thinking, I need to talk. I need to meet people right away. Um, that's a good lead into uh, the IEB conference. We were just at that. We were there a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. It's amazing to catch up with you and Shantae. It's been too long. It's never enough time to hang out, frankly, with you two. Um, did you have any takeaways from the conference? Like it was a, it's a different tone, obviously, with the environment shifting it's not just grow, grow, grow at all costs anymore. It was like, you know, this last year of conferences was a little bit different of a tone, but wanted to see if you had any, uh, any light bulb moments, takeaways, or even just reminders of like, stay the course. You know, um, like you mentioned, uh, past years uh, with IEB conferences, it's always been grow, grow, grow. And how can we do that? Um and, you know, within the la with it, where, where the market's been with the last couple of years, um, everybody had to completely pull back and figure out, hey, where, where do we go from here? And, um, you know, rethink a lot of things. And a lot of people were struggling. A lot of people still are struggling. Um, and, you know, people would, uh, some of these companies would be struggling a lot more um, if it wasn't for IEB, if they weren't a part of it. Um, and so that kind of helped lift us, kind of set us in the, in the right direction. But as far as the, the last conference goes, um, was exactly what you said. It was, it was more, it wasn't grow. Um, how fast can you grow? It was more about, um, you know, playing the long game. Where can we, um, you know, make up for our efforts or where we're not going to get inspections. Is there any other things that we can do out there? But mainly it, it was, um, you know, about, um, you know, your, yourself, uh, the long game for your health. Um, it was about um, just trying to uh, make yourself a better leader. Mm. Um, and, and it kind of all hits me uh, at the right time because, you know, we are still slowly growing, not like we wanted to. We pulled back a lot uh, within the last two years. Um, but with all of that, it's like, um, you know, how can I, how can I get my health where it needs to be so that everything is after that business wise falls into place. I become a better leader. Our business has a better culture, you know, everything yeah. kind of falls in line from there. So that was pretty much more about the conference. And then as far as golden nuggets go, you know, I get, I would say, you know, the, the conferences are amazing. Uh, we always pull some golden nuggets here and there from that, but I always feel like, the relationships, the people that I may have never known, relationships that I built during that conference, and then diving deep into conversation with them outside of the actual conference itself, just networking in general is where I gain the, the most value. Man, that's post-COVID. I know it's been years now, but it still seems like in some ways it, it just happened. I think that is the magic Mike and I rediscovered where we're like, it's the details you get into sometimes about the business. Yeah. Sometimes we talk numbers, we talk shop, but then sometimes the relatability on the human side that we all don't realize we need until we get it. And then we're like, damn, being a business owner is lonely. <laughs> like 
being an entrepreneur is lonely. And then you have those conversations and uh, it can fuel you for months. Sometimes we find we come back from those and have a level of focus or just a level of feeling seen and heard that you don't know fuels you until you get it. Um, and so I think that's where yeah. I think in-person events are going to continue to go up. Yeah. And it's, and it's being around the right mindset of entrepreneurs as well. Mm, that's uh, true. We go to some of these other conferences and we get zero out of it. It's go Good there. Point. Let's get to this, this technical stuff, even though we're around hundreds and hundreds of business owners, we don't ever get to have like an open conversation and they're not as open to talk about, about their business to us. It's a, it has to be the right conference. And, and, you know, the IAB community is, is, is open to sharing anything and everything. And and that's what I love about it. That's a great point. Like the first session I think was about self-awareness. Um, and I think like a lot of home inspectors and humans, I'm not going to think about home inspectors all the time. Like I talk about this community um, as a whole sometimes, but I do think there's some self-awareness there and like vulnerability that doesn't happen. Cause everyone's uh, I think someone on the pod called it peacocking. <laughs> There's a lot of that in our industry, um, yep. but yeah, I think letting the guard down and having the human to human conversation um, wins. And I think people could do that more online and just in general of just letting the guard down and being okay, being vulnerable. But that's a whole nother topic that we could get into. Um, when you talk about being a better leader, something struck me when we were sitting down talking to you, Shantae. I think her and I had asked your advice on like being more direct, like in conversations and like, you're a leader that strikes me as you've always been direct, straight shooter, no bullshit. And that's what I love about you. How does that kind of play into how you think about culture at your company? And you could talk a little bit how you've kind of grown and built your culture and invested in people. But I just want to hear from you as like Randy, a leader, because that's part of what this pod is for is to like shine a light on people that are doing good things, doing things the right way and leading people. So I know it's vague, but just if you can riff on kind of where you see your leadership going and how you've done it in the past. Well, I'll start off by saying, um, you know, as I started hiring my employees, I was a boss. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily, you know, a good leader. Um, and so it, it was exactly what you said. It was 100% direct. I'm, you know, I, I come off as like military style, <laughs> you know, let's, let's just get the day of job done. Right, <laughs> you know what I mean? right. And uh, so that's how I was in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until probably um, as I got into IEB and started seeing, being around some of these, um, you know, uh, just amazing companies that they these guys have built and you know seeing talking to their employees and the culture that they have within their company i was just like you know these people love to work for 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 their boss you know why is that and then i was like okay well i start doing some leadership books and and different things and um you know you start you would go through some employees and we we fail on some things and each employee that comes and goes you you learn something um, and I just started to kind of build on that. Um, and I think, you know, our conversation that it was at, at the mastermind was, you know, well, you know, you guys kind of struggle on being direct and kind of veering off and saying how great somebody's doing stuff. And then we started kind of getting conversations about, well, just, you know, 
asking them how they felt in that certain situation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how did they feel? What could they have done better without just drilling them at first? And back in the day, that's what exactly what I would have done. I would have probably just <laughs> drilled them, drilled them from the jump. But uh, my my thought process has completely changed on that. And now I'm just trying to build on that and, and uh, you know, help people get where they want to be in life. I love that. And we we'll, we'll want to get into that too, of how you kind of extend that. But yeah, the way you had put it was a light bulb moment for me where you were like, ask them how they perceive the situation. Like, hey, how did how do you think you did on that inspection or that customer complaint? Or how how did you how do you think you handled that? Just that asking of a question for anyone that leads people in any capacity. I mean, shoot, we could all use this with our spouses, I'm sure, too, of just like leading with questions that <laughs> just jump in there, right? So I think that's a that's a a simple but profound way to handle it. So I appreciated you sharing that with us. Um but helping people to where they want to go is like a whole nother level. And I think to me, that's the transition from boss to leaders where like you're investing in people. And I think um, like you, and you can still be direct on the other side of that too, of helping them to get where they want to go. It's like, here's how you do it. Um, and so yeah. that I, I like that you're highlighting though, the kinds of people that we want to be around because that's everything. And that extends to online, what you choose to read and listen to because um, yeah, the keyboard the keyboard gangsters nowadays are just so overwhelming and, and hard to listen to and read. And so I try to just stay away from that kind of energy. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, if I have an employee that say, Hey, I want to, I want to inspect the rest of my life and they don't want to, they don't want to do anything, you know, beyond that, then, then they're where they want to be. That's, that's great. Um, and I can provide that work for them to do. But if I have somebody that wants to lead the company, um, or, and work their way up the ladder as we grow and they grow, you know, alongside us, um, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. How has the vision grown? So let's jump into like 2024 and beyond. Like you said, you started InterNACHI, just kind of thought, okay, I just want to build up a solid business. Didn't really think too much past that. Then somewhere along the line, it was like, wow, this can be a lot bigger and this can be a thing that grows and maybe sustains, maybe sells someday, maybe just as an income stream. How are you thinking about the next couple of years and kind of where you want to take things for those that maybe aren't in IEB? Cause I know like we talk about IEB a lot on this pod, but not everyone's in it. So they may not speak our language. Yeah. So, I mean, at, like, like you said, I wasn't, um, I wasn't visioning that at all in the beginning. Um, and then through IEB, it, it wasn't even about where I could grow it. Even for the first couple of years of being in IEB, it wasn't, it was like, I knew I want to grow my company. But it wasn't, hey, what are we going to do in the long run to be able to sell out? Or what's our end game? Right. Um, and I don't necessarily say I have that 100% planned out either. Um, do I have a 10-year plan? Sure. Do I have where I want to be with the company probably by then? Yes. Um, uh, so, um, you know, I don't I don't know. We, we didn't have that all, all sorted out. Um, never did. Yeah. And... I think there's always that pressure of like, oh, know exactly what you're doing at all times. It's more of like intentionality around where you're spending your money, who you're investing your time in, how you're growing the business that I think is missing. And that's what IEB is great for. I think it just gets people started on like, be a little more intentional than you were yesterday. Right. And that's kind of the whole thought process. Um, we were going to do this pod initially with you and Shante. Your, your wife. Mm -hmm. And yep. she was like, nope, do them separately. Cause I want him to be able to speak his mind. I can speak mine from the, from her perspective. So you guys have worked together over the years. Um, 
I just want to spend a few minutes talking about that dynamic kind of from your perspective, the great things about it, the more challenging things about it. Cause it's pretty common in our industry, right? Spouse teams, a lot of times run the business, run the different sides of the house. Um, you know, I mean, you guys had a kid in between all of it. So yeah. How, how has it been and what are, what are some of the goods and the good, bads and uglies around working with the spouse as amazing as yeah, she so- Cause you, you know, I have to say Shantae is a superstar in this industry. Um, I don't have to tell you that, Absolutely. but She's amazing. Yeah. So she was in the business and then um, we had our son. And so she was a stay at home mom for three mm-hmm. years and she was trying to keep up with the phones at the time. Yeah. Uh, and it, it just wasn't, it wasn't, you know, feasible. So uh, we ended up hiring somebody for operations and she took a step out of the business. So she came, she went back to being a, um, special education teacher at a high school nearby mm-hmm. um, and things weren't working out with that. So we decided it was perfect timing, kind of things weren't working out with our operations person at the time. So it was perfect timing for her to come back. Um, so she came on back and I would say things are way better now than they were the first time around. <laughs> we learned a lot from talking to different um, couples within the IEB community on how they navigate how they make it through on a day-to-day basis because it can be button heads left and right. So, um, you know, some of the things where it was like, okay, I'm, I'm services, she's mm-hmm. operations, and we need to figure out where exactly that line is. You stay in your lane, I'll stay in my lane. Um, <laughs> and then of course, you know, as now she's fully invested into the business, it's like, okay, when do we turn it off? You know, we're going late at night, um, and before bedtime in bed, it doesn't matter. It's like 24 seven. If we're awake, we're talking business. And so it's like, where, where do we, how do we draw the line on that? Because it's like, now we're not talking about anything personal. We mm. can go out to di- We can go out to dinner. We can go anywhere on our own. We might be on vacation in Cancun. We're probably still sitting there talking about business. <laughs> so it's like, we have to draw the line somewhere. We have to set these, these ground rules when we can, when we can't. And make sure we're also taking time with our son and spending that family time and enjoying it. And even if the phone rings in its business, you know, now we we have other employees that cover, you know, after hour stuff and all that. But it's like we still we still have to keep ourselves away from it at, at a certain point. And um, so that's kind of where how far we have come with all that. And just setting those ground rules and, and figuring that out, because if you don't lay it all out and talk about it, then it would basically take over our lives 24-7 and, and it, it just doesn't work. Did you guys ever get to that point where it did feel kind of like burnout-ish and kind of overwhelming? Because like, man, talk about the uh, the plight of an entrepreneur or business owner of mostly everyone can relate to that of like never unplugging. And it almost from my experience, it happens in the background and like maybe your patience gets a little lower or like you, you're not showing up as well in other areas. Did you guys ever get to that point? 100%. Yeah. So it's like, now, now what do we do? And I would say if we weren't involved with, and I keep saying IEB, but if we weren't involved with them and having others out there to lean on, I would feel like we're sitting here and North Virginia, we're a home inspection company, and I have zero people to talk to. <laughs> oh. And and we, as a company and as a couple, might have crashed and burned because of it. Who knows where we would be? Um, 
so once you're you know once you have your tribe and you can lean on these others that have been through it been doing it for years and they're like yeah we go through the same stuff this is what we had to do uh in order to make it work or as soon as we get in bed that means zero talking business yeah um you know so we had, once we drew those lines it, it's it's been much better yeah that's awesome that's so cool to hear that journey and i i you know purposely was asking it because i think everyone's in a different spot throughout that journey. Some haven't hit it yet. Some are in the thick of it and just raising awareness around it because yeah, it's, it can lead to, it's like a slow bleed out effect. I believe that can happen. It's not like, you know, some people have a crash one day and they wake up and realize it, but at the same time, I think it's operating in the background of that constant level of stress. Sometimes Mark will talk about this, like that constant anxiety and stress that's just there. But, um, well, I mean, let's let's look at the uplifting side. Like, what what are you looking forward to next year? Man, Besides lower have... mortgage rates. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we have a ton of things going right now. Um, so, number one with the home inspection business, uh, I actually just brought on another licensed home inspector this week. Um, so I'm in the the process of training him. Um. And we're still looking to continue to grow the home inspection business. I think everything's going to be great for us this year. Um, 2023 was our best year since 2017. So um, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot, there was a lot of people struggling out there and uh, we absolutely killed it. So um, we are still continuing to push forward. Um, What do you attribute some of that to? I want to just, you know, double tap on that for a sec, because that's great. And for, and first of all, kudos to you for not feeling bad about saying it. Cause yeah, it was a challenging year, but the companies that are doing well, they should be proud of it. And if we can learn a little from what you guys did, if whether it was staying the course or being more aggressive, folks on market share, like what, what, if anything, can you, can you share that maybe has helped out this year? Uh, a few different things. So one that we already spoke about was Shantae coming back to the business. That was at the beginning of the year. And previous to that, our social media game was lacking. Mm. Um, she runs all social media on all platforms, blog posts, everything for us. Um, she, ever since then, we've been able to start gaining a lot more traction, a lot more visibility. Mm. So that right there alone increased business in general, kind of getting us top of mind, getting us in front of agents. We haven't been in front of in a long time, just never really getting those touch points that we should that we should have been. Uh, second to that, um, probably, I think it was the end of 2021, we hired our, uh, which is now our, our director of growth. Okay. And she's been with us uh, since then. And she has been doing all of our networking events, uh, cold calling, one-to-one meetings, um, office visits, you name it. Uh, she does it. Um, she probably attends, I think we calculated like, you know, she has like 17 networking um, events that she does and it's like over 10 per week. And then the rest are like, are like monthly events. Uh, I love that. Not including everything else that's, that she's doing and that's on her plate. So that right there is as well on top of the social media game, stepping up has gotten us in front of so many other real estate agents that never even heard of us before. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's just what has you know as things I think decreased and people kind of went into their shell, 
and some businesses shut down. Some people that were already retired said, well, that's it. I'm, I'm good. I'm done. You know, we started gaining market share. That's amazing because you're hitting both realms, right? Some people, a lot of inspectors I talk to are only one or the other. They're like a little overweighted either on social. They only do social or they only try to do office visits, one-to-ones, coffee meetings. But it sounds like you have a great approach at hitting them both up. Well, I, I'm not good at social media and I'm not good at, I, I when I first started, I was in B&Is and that sort of thing. And I'm mm-hmm. not good at standing in front of a bunch of people and giving my pitch and all that. So yeah. I do what uh, I could do and that's hire people that are better <laughs> than myself to do it Yeah, and hire people that love to do it. And so- Shante loves doing the social media stuff. Um, Stacy loves doing her one-to-ones and cold calling. I, I don't know how you love doing cold calling, but she loves it. Uh, so uh-huh. I got the right, I got the right people beside me. Yeah. You got a hunter that's personable and, uh, and I'm glad it's working, man. I'm pumped. Um, because I think these types of activities, while the market has pulled back the growth on the upside only magnifies if we do see bumps in the spring. And so, um, I encourage everyone to, to think about these kind of these areas and, and put forth some effort there. Um, I want to jump to something fun. Cause I, every time I, I think of Vegas, I think of you. So I'm just going to start, I'm just going to start it there. <laughs> so, so we went to a conference, what, five, six years ago, uh, Thornberry's conference in Vegas. And, um, I don't remember a ton about the conference. I know he likes to get up on stage and talk a lot, but you and I had a night out, had a great time. What do you remember about that conference and about that night? <laughs> and then we can talk about but the fact that we're both Vegas guys, both love Vegas. You know, that, that's, that's, I think that's an easy one to say. Well, we went to the, to top of the palms and that was my first time at the top of the palms. Me too. Uh, first, that was the only time I've been there. You know, I, I what I, what I, when I, when we were going to go there, I was thinking, you know, the, the movie 21, when they're out <laughs> on the, on the balcony of the palms, jumping <laughs> and have a DJ and I, that was pretty much how we ended up by the end of the night, you know, amazing partying night, up, partying up there. Um, take me back, man. Amazing <laughs> nights. And it, like, it speaks to the serendipity that can happen at conferences. You just never know. Obviously when they're not in Vegas, there's a, a different vibe, but that of course conference there, um, Aaron Marjal, you know, like you could just list a few names of people you just remember having a good time with and and really bonding with and realizing that like, yeah, we can talk business and all that. But like, that's a fun memory I'll never forget. And there's like certain songs that I'll think about still that, that they played. But yeah, I mean, talk about an insane rooftop kind of bar club up there. Um, I don't even know if they're still open or if I'll ever go back, but they did they did reopen at, they were closed a while during covid but they did reopen back up so we might have to take a, a revisit a nostalgia trip there's no yeah i think <laughs> there needs to be more conferences there in our industry but i know uh you know they got to be economical as well mm-hmm. i'm ready whenever that whenever you want it whenever we do the uh spectora conference let's make it vegas SpectoraCon. and okay so i'm glad you bring this up so this is, in fact, in the plans. This is no formal announcement, but I we know there needs to be an in-person element to almost everything, and we and like we see the kind of the magic in IEB, and um, we are going to start planning some regional kind of meetups and groups. Um, yeah, maybe you can join the regional one that ends up being in Vegas. So we'll just <laughs> we'll just include you in that one. But um, I think to your point earlier, though, I think 
the connection between like-minded people, I think there is something special with with certain Spectorians and a good a good majority of people on Spectora are like-minded in that way. And so we do want to create, whether it's kind of um, business building or more software focused or more just future vision of kind of like, where's this industry going and how do we all prepare for it? Doing more in-person stuff like that. Would you be open to coming to stuff like that and even possibly, you know, speaking at one? Yeah, I mean, we've been actually, we, we, we threw around that idea years ago. Uh, <laughs> I know. And, and uh, I think, I think you guys have enough users now that we can make it a, a damn good conference. Oh, so. for sure. And you, speaking you, to your point, I had to hire someone better than me at organizing stuff like this. And so we have her now, KDO. She's amazing. Yep. So it's already on her radar. Um, so that's going to be something in 2024 to look forward to. Let's do it. Cause there's people you've probably had an online um, kind of banter with for years, right. That you maybe have never met in person. Yes. Um, especially like, you know, when we were beta testing the original platform and we were, you know, we were, we started friending, we, we didn't have that many users at the, at the time. So, right. you know, we became friends with a lot of those original users because we were all, we'd be able to just call each other and, pick each other's brains on what was going on with this or that. Yeah. Um, and so that, that actually was kind of my first little community where we could actually reach out to people and, and pick each other's brains. Um, so the original group within Spectora, um, I'm still friends with them and close with, and some of them, like you said, I've never met. Yeah. We may have to just do an OGs kind of meet up true, like in the middle of the country or something like that. And like, all those names and people and just get together and just break bread, have a good time, but also keep improving for the future too, of how to future proof our industry, um, which I want to get into with you in a second in terms of the, the NAR suit. Um, but yeah, more to come on that, but what are you making? Well, so the NAR lawsuit. So if anyone's not aware, I'll link to, you know, a couple articles in the description. Are you aware of it? Are you worried about it? Is it something that you think will change kind of the future of the industry? have to bring it up. Um, you know, I, we've had many different conversations, you know, around it. And it, I think it's too early. Mm -hmm. um, nobody knows which direction it could go. Everybody's floating ideas out there, left and right. Um, so um, I'm just going to keep chugging along and uh, we'll see which, which way the, the flow of the water takes us. But uh, as far as being concerned on it, no, not 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 really at all. Um, you know, we are if it if it affects home inspections, we are currently going try, trying to take our business in so many other directions right now uh, because with where the market is currently, and who knows exactly how long it's going to take to turn around. So we're going other avenues as well to where um, things go south. We'll be okay. Yeah. What are some of those other avenues? Is it past handyman electric? Um, so we are currently, we, we've just started a, our commercial business. Uh, we've mm -hmm. been doing commercial because I, I had the commercial background. So it was yeah. easy for me to kind of get into the commercial side of things. I've been wanting to do it for a while, but we basically started it at the beginning of this year, but we were doing it through Lambert home inspections. Mm -hmm. um, so now we have created its own business um and we're completely separating the branding you know everything whole nine yards and um the marketing everything um 
so we are definitely going to be ramping up the commercial side of things. I think it's still, you know, CCPIA and everything is still in the, the early stages right now. Um, and I think it's going to take off like a rocket. And there's uh, so much opportunities right now um, with commercial inspections. They're not really being affected by these interest rates. They're still doing their thing. Uh, so that's one of the big routes that we're going in. Um, we are also for 2024 looking towards um, a, a handyman services company. Mm. Uh, mostly that will be geared towards our real estate agents and real estate transactions, um, you know, but also just everything else in, in Northern Virginia. Um, so we are also, you know, we're, we're starting to see a, um, a request for a lot of uh, referrals that are going out the door and I hate to see money go out the door. So we're actually going to start going towards septic inspections as well. Mm. Um, of course that will be its own business sure. um, as well. And in, in our idea with that is, you know, we can just get septic inspections from, you know, organic stuff online. We can get septic inspections from our current home inspection business. And then we want to also partner with other home inspection companies in the area to provide them with septic inspections as well. So I think it's, it's definitely going to be something that could take off in our area because right now some of the people are booked three to four months out and they can't even get to a real estate transaction that quick. Um, yeah. So there's, there's many different avenues that we have that we're trying to go that if, you know, home inspection stays steady, we can keep all of our guys. We can just stay chugging along. And, uh, but our, our, our I believe that in, in 2024 is going to be a great year for us. I believe we have taken up market share and, and we do, you know, plan on, on growing the home inspection business as well. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's complete. It's the diversification that I think every, some inspection companies are just now thinking about some or have taken action like you and others. And I think it's going to bear a lot of fruit in 2024. The handyman one hits home with me because after moving into a new home, it was like handyman requests through the roof. Like we needed 20, 30 different things, little things that we would have loved if the home inspector had a relationship or knew someone because we would have booked it literally right after the home inspection. So that one, that one to me jumps out. Um, specific because with the, with every inspection that we do, you know, they want to ask who, who do you know? Yeah. And if we have a sister company that provides that, that work, you know, obviously we're the same as many other states. The inspector can't do the the yep. work and, and that's not what we're going to do. But um, we will be able to provide them with an informa that information to the sister company. At that point in time, we can offer them discounts because they use us for the home inspection. We can do many different things to market to our agents, our past clients. And it's something that I believe just by the home inspection business can provide the handyman service business with a ton of organic growth and not much marketing cost whatsoever. Acquisition cost goes down, goes to the floor. Tell me your thoughts around the sister company in general, the concept of a sister company. I'll save my rant until after you speak. Cause I, I rant on this every other episode basically, but like to the companies that are scared of a conflict of interest or a potential of them thinking that I'm funneling to my sister company, like, tell me how you view all of that in terms of providing value. I mean, the same way that you have in the past podcasts, you know, I don't, if, the, if, if you provide a good service for somebody, 
So let's just start with the home inspection mm -hmm. business. If we provide a, an amazing home inspection, great customer service, they loved working with us, would refer us to everybody and their brother. And then we say, hey, we also have own this other company and we're not doing anything wrong because our inspectors are not the ones that are that we're going to send out there to do those handyman services. And we are licensed, insured, we we do everything proper, then there's absolutely no reason. It doesn't matter who owns the company because they would go to another company, right, as well. And so if they know that we're going to provide the exact same type of excellent service, then why wouldn't they want to come and use us? And there's nothing against that. I love how direct and plain you put it because to me, it, it, it almost sounds insecure where you're like, why are you so worried about someone thinking you have a conflict of interest? Are you doing a good thorough job and being honest about what you're pointing out? Then say it like stand on it. You know what I mean? Like if you feel like you did an amazing job and they love you for your job and they don't think you were dishonest, why would you feel bad about saying, Oh yeah, we also have this business that serves this. Would you like that? Because I know some inspectors aren't, like maybe it's tapped in, but like people really want word of mouth referrals. People yeah, don't, it, a lot of people don't want to go Google it. But I mean, look at uh, uh, many different industries out there. You're talking mechanics, yep. you know, they're looking at your car. They're telling you what's wrong. Are they going to say, let you go to some other shop and let them fix it? They want <laughs> to fix it. So <laughs> and they could, they could do the same thing. Oh, yep. Transmission shot. We'll, we'll repair it for this amount. They're doing, they're telling you what's wrong and doing the work. We're not, we're just telling you what's wrong with this company and we're leaving. If you don't want to hire us for the handyman business, don't hire us. You have the options, but yes. typically, typically when your car is broke down and set the shop, you don't have no option. They got you, you know, right then and there. Yeah. Same thing with the dentist. Oh, yep. got a cavity. You going to go so somewhere it, else? No. Right. So they have, you know, they're free to move in whatever direction they want. And if they decide that, or they want to see it. Hey, if we provide the exact same amount of excellent service that we did from the home inspection business in the other business, then they're all for it. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't know is that there's been companies that have been doing this for 10, 15 years and, and doing well. You know what I mean? There's, there's big multi and enterprise companies that have done this, have made hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars and provided amazing service and have tons of Google reviews. So I'm almost over talking about it as if like everyone needs to change their mentality. It's just something some people are choosing to do and grow empires around and others are not. And uh, well, you have the large companies in our areas that all do, you know, HVAC electrical and plumbing, and then they continue those on into other services. And they start to get in septic and wells and, and everything else. So it's the same situation. Um, you know, I don't, if, if I think it where, in our industry, where it really started is like the old school mentality home inspectors that, you know, try to be by a book when there's really a gray area there anyhow, and it doesn't say you can't do that. It's just that was the mentality from the beginning. This is what I do. I can't do anything else. And they know everything. Right. I don't think we can hide behind SOPs, um, I, which I think some antiquated state regulations or standards of practice. Um, and I think thinking of the spirit of all these is to not screw over people that are misinformed, not screw over old people or people that have trouble deciphering who's legit and who's not. I've just met so many really good people in our industry that do good work where I'm like, just tell them what's happening and then they can make a decision on their own. So to me, a lot of the, the, um, 
being scared of like, oh, my state SOP says I can't do that. I think I think you're missing the point and missing, I think, a lot of value that could be captured and brought in our industry. Because I genuinely want average inspection prices to go up. Yeah, I'm biased. It's great for Spectora. It's also healthy for our industry. I don't want to see people falling out of the business. I know too many good people and I want them to keep thriving. So there really is a bigger thing at play when, when it comes to this conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, for the longest time for our industry, it's been the quickest to the bottom. Yeah, um, race to the bottom. But, yeah, and so it's like, you know, it, it takes a while to feel, really realize what you have, the, the value that you're providing and know your worth. And then finally, I think it took, you know, for, for me to kind of, I will not. I wasn't ever the the very bottom. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, but it it takes finally when you're burnt out. It's like okay, I would rather make more money and do less work. So it's <laughs> right. time. To, it's time to you know I'm already being stretched stretched too thin, and I have zero life whatsoever right. outside of work. So it's time to raise these prices and see what happens. And then majority of them didn't blink of eye or go anywhere. And I was like, oh shit, I need some help here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you found, you saw the light, you know, you found religion. And I think everyone, uh, you know, that can stand on their work and stand by how much value they provide and their confidence will get there. Um, it's harder to do this environment, but I think it's also the right thing to do. I think everyone that is going to be in this business for the long term should take a good look at prices, should take a good look at services offered um, and think about right. bumping up. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have realized that within the last few years, with the help of different, you know, organizations and you guys and software companies that are saying, why are why are we all still charging $250 for an inspection? You know what I mean? And so that's one of the things I'm liking about like these early on stages with CCPIA is that it's like we're there straight from the beginning, like we're not doing these inspections for under X amount of dollars. Right. You know what I mean? So it's a whole different look at things um, and it's not a race to the bottom. And that's what I'm liking about where things are going with that organization now. Yeah. And d- is it too late or are we too far into the business with home inspections to have that upward pressure? I don't know what would cause that. I don't know what, what, do you, what would what would change the narrative? And I wonder if this NAR suit, I'm going to speculate for a second here. If the agent's role starts to pull back a little, that means the home inspector could step up more. The role of the home inspector can shine more, which means provide more value, charge more. Yeah, but I think there's always going to be your one-off inspectors. There's nothing wrong against that, but some of the newer ones, you know, they're still just trying to get their foot in the door. So they have to do what they have to do. But and, and they're, you're always going to have that. But the, with the way things are changing and all these larger companies and private equity firms coming in, they're not ever going to charge that little price. Right. Um, and so that's gonna, that's going that overall has helped where the prices go that have gone and also the value that these companies are starting to bring. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, alone, I've only, like I said, I've only been in the, the trade since the business since 2017, but it, the progress i believe since 2017 is crazy it's been great and i have to give you your props you've been a part of it in the sense that from the beginning whether you outsourced it to us then you started taking over yourself creating content to educate agents and home buyers makes them understand that there's a value for dollar equation to think about when hiring a home inspector because if everyone knew price generally correlated with the value you're going to get no one would hire the cheap guy and they would realize, hey, I need to be priced up right up under Lambert Home Inspections if I want to be taken serious. So 
I will say anyone that creates content, you're doing your part to help raise, to keep prices upward. So yeah, it's really all, all about education to the clients. Yeah. You know, they, they, they need to know what kind of value we are bringing when, when they just call the very first time and they're just out there price shopping. And when we figure out that, Hey, they're just price shopping, we say, okay, well, this is what we bring to the table. This, 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 and this. Mm. And it, did the other companies that you call provide those, you know, or if you asked them that they'd be like, no, nowhere close to it. Okay. Well, you know, book with us today. We'll we'll get you on the books and we can do it tomorrow, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Um, and after you go through all that with them and show them the value and don't just answer the phone and say, yep, 400 bucks. And then you don't have, that's it. You just let yeah. that perfect lead go away oh. out the door. You know what I mean? Um, it, it's, it's education. Did it take you a while to find that, that perfect talk track? Because, you know, with, with Spectora, we're the most expensive from the start have been all along. And so those price objection conversations can be hard at first when you're new or insecure, even like, even when you're a growing company, how did you arrive at that kind of magical thread, the needle approach to know when you're saying, Hey, we're going to be top of the market, but there's a reason for that. You know, it was just the conversation after conversation with our real estate agents that when mm -hmm. you did, when you sat down to one-on-ones with them, they're saying, well, my guy that I've been using for 20 years, he only charges 300 or $350 for that inspection. And then I have to kind of dig into well, what all does, you know, that's where I lean back a second and I say, you know, start asking questions. Mm -hmm. Well, what does, what does he do with his inspections that you love about him? What else does he provide besides just, you know, one inspection and a report? And, you know, when we started digging into that in the, in the very beginning, we were, we were team inspections. So mm -hmm. it's like, they would go to their inspection and they'd spend their five to eight hours all day on a larger house with their one inspector. And we were out of there in three, three and a half hours because we had two guys on it. Right. And that right there alone for real estate agents, that was a big difference because they were like, well, I don't have to spend all day. Time is money. I can go out there and make more money. And so can my, my clients don't have to be as away from work as long. You know, so that was a value add to us, you know, and then we started just adding to that and bringing more value. And, and once we, you know, brought all of that and the, they could see the type of report that they were getting and they, you know, they just saw the overall experience. And if their one guy was that they used to call was at an inspection, he couldn't answer the phones, but we had people in the office answering the phones and, and addressing any issues right away with them and scheduling the radons pickups and, and drop-offs right away. And it was just, we had a team that could provide all these, all these things right away as a real estate agent needs them because they're very, you know, they're, they're, they're not, they're not patient people. They want it right. done right then and there. So they could start to see the value in bringing us in and providing you know, being a one-stop shop and also providing added value to their clients and their clients' experience with the home inspection. So you had to back it up, right? It's like, you can't just uh, throw the prices up and then not follow it up with the service. So I like how you stepped through that and talked about it because I think everyone wants to do it, but you have to follow through literally on day one with that first client or agent, right? That like box at the price and you're like, no, no, no let me show you. Let me prove it to you why. 
Yep. And we, we had, had the- it all there in our marketing materials and we could lay it all out in front of them. And when I would have the iPad there and I would show them the report layout and I would show them, hey, how the repair request builder saves them time. I mean, it was one thing after another that I could lay out for boom, them boom, 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 as, boom. A, as a presentation. Once I found out that their inspector didn't do anything else, I said, oh, this is game on. Let's take care of this. Layup. Yeah. Layup line. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, and, and I think it, it takes putting on the marketing hat. A lot of inspectors forget that agents and clients don't think like we do in our industry. Um, and simply how you talk to people sometimes is the differentiator. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're as personable as they come in the industry and half of your competition is not going to relate to people. And so that's a harder one to work on. <laughs> sometimes you just, it is what it is, but um, well, cool. I want to get it. Lastly, I want to touch on what you're into outside of uh, outside of the business and, and family. Um whether, whether it be like in one, well, first of all, I want to say, do you, do you as a company share stuff about your personal on social? Like, do you guys show your interests, things you do for fun? That's always something inspectors always ask with you guys being so great at social. I'm curious if uh, you do that or do you keep it fully separate? So, so you mean like through the, through the business page? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you look at any, any platform and you look at the posts on Instagram or Facebook or anything of that nature, and you see what gets the most traction, it's always the personal posts. <laughs> it's all it's it's always, you know, me, Shantae, and Lane, our son, are out, you know, on the boat, or we're doing this or that, or, you know, one of our inspectors is out with family and we post about them. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We could post like we get, you know, some good traction from seeing some crazy thing on an inspection. But if you truly look at, even if it's, you know, I've, I have tons of real estate agents that I'm friends with on my Facebook. So a lot of times that'll get the most traction, but we're still doing those touch points. Right. Yep. But through the business page in general, all the personal stuff is really what leads the most traction. It's funny, isn't it? It's the scariest to post. I think it's a barrier that most uh, are scared to like go through. But then once you realize that humans just do business with humans and then you're like, oh yeah, they're not like doing business with a like company. They're doing business with me. And sometimes as the face of the company. Um, yeah, that's huge, especially when you're, when you're a smaller company. Yeah, for sure. Um, what else, you know, is it, whether it's commanders, is it physical fitness, you know, you guys are a fitness kind of household. You lift. I don't know if people, people can't see yeah, you got the so- sweatshirt on. You probably bench, <laughs> you, you might bench the most in this industry. And I want someone to write in nah, the comments nah, if they nah. think they could bench more, but but no, it's part of, <laughs> it's part of staying healthy, right? Is that, is that an interest of yours? Is that something you're passionate about? Yeah, so uh, Shantae's into fitness. She's done fitness competitions. I'm into bodybuilding. Um, you know, sometimes as being as a, a business owner, we can't get to it some as often as we want, but we still try to push it. Um, we have property down in Southern Maryland. We go there a lot. We do a lot of fishing and crabbing um, off of our property and, and on our boat. Um, love to travel. Um, shoot next week. We actually are in Vegas. Uh, visiting some of uh, some family, nice. <laughs> uh, so a much different type of Vegas trip. Different, yeah. Um, yeah. So we are all about traveling in the outdoors. I love to hunt, fish, crab, you name it. Outdoors is is where I like to be. Oh, my mom keeps telling me I need to I need the experience of crabbing because they'll go up to like the Oregon coast and crab up there. Um, she just said it's like a beautiful thing to be a part of the experience and then go have a meal afterwards. Well, you know, you're always welcome to come catch blue crabs in Maryland on the bay and and eat eat right there on the pier with us. 
I need a greater appreciation for that part of the country because I just haven't been. I just haven't spent a lot of time on that coast, but I know it's severely underrated. And I think the words get now, given the growth you guys are seeing kind of in that part of the country too. Maybe underrated from the West Coast, but it's not underrated on the East Coast. That's true. Everybody, that's true. Everybody loves the blue crabs in the Chesapeake Bay over here. All right. All right. You sold me. You sold me. Um, well, man, this hour went by way too fast. Tell me you'll come back for another episode. Absolutely. And I know Shantae wants to join, so we'll we'll uh we'll make it happen. We'll let her get her shine. We'll we'll see if she'll let you join the party. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, brother. Um where can people find you if they just want to chop it up, you know, catch up? Uh, yeah, Randy at LambertHomeInspections.com, uh, 703-468-8522, or LambertHomeInspections.com. You can always get me through anything. Or uh, Facebook, Randy Lambert. Right on. I'll drop everything in the description for everyone. I'm sure you'll get some people wanting to hit you up. But, man, appreciate the time and sharing the story and wisdom. It's been a cool ride. It's been amazing seeing you guys grow and, and get to where you're at. Uh, it's been a, been a pleasure and a privilege knowing you, my man. Yes, sir. Love you, brother. All right. Appreciate you. Talk to you soon. <laughs>